Coming to you live from Parkview Studios, we are in the den. This is The Brothers Ketchup, a weekly podcast where two brothers come together to just catch up. I'm Sal Biazzi. With me, as always, is Frankie. Wow, you just said my name. I know, I haven't done that yet. You've never done that. Wow. It's kind of rude. Sorry. You want us to introduce yourself? No, not anymore. <laughs> That's Frankie. Hi, I'm Frankie. All right. I wanted to start this podcast off. Usually we start with, like, what happened this week. And in this podcast, I would like to start with what didn't happen this week. All right, what didn't happen this week? Can you guess? Specifically, no. There's a lot of things I want to talk about, but I don't know what... What, what didn't you, Yeah, I don't know what didn't happen. Well, we ended last week's episode by saying that by the time we recorded this episode, it was possible that oh, your baby? I was going to have a baby. You did not have a uh, baby. We did not have a baby. This baby does not want to come doesn't out. doesn't want to come out. We are a day overdue now, which isn't incredibly you're, uncommon. You're two days overdue. Two days. So, yeah, we're still on baby watching the house, so at any moment we might have to cut the podcast short and rush to the hospital. But I'd, That'd be great content. It would be good. If your wife cared about our careers as podcasters, she would, she would have the, the baby right now, right now. On podcast. We'll just stream the whole thing. I feel like births are more visual than audio. audio. It would just sound... It would just be ah! horrific screams. <laughs> no! Oh, no! This hurts so bad! And I'm like, oh my god! I keep telling her that I'm excited. I'm like, what if... What? Alright, wait, hold on. Yeah. We... Audio that. Okay. So the, we'll put a mic, you just hold the mic in your hand. And you're, like, because I think your job is to coach her through it. Yeah. Like, you got this, babe. Just breathe. Just breathe. Push. And then I'll stand, like, way in the corner with the mic. And I'll kind of narrate what's going on. And be like, <laughs> like it looks like she's pushing really hard. I keep telling her that I'm happy that I get to stand, like, kind of behind her so I don't have to, like, actually watch like what's going on like i can peek i guess when the head comes out do you want to not really yeah right i would just ruin it for you i've watched a lot of youtube videos of births and wow is that an uncomfortable looking process i've listen i've talked to rach about this a bunch like i've asked her so many questions because like she works with babies like it's crazy i don't know how it's even a possibility that women actually have babies of all the animal kingdom, like it does seem like we have sort of the worst go at it too, and we're the worst at it. Like yeah. we're the worst parents. We're not good at like actually giving birth. We we keep kids until they're eighteen, and then like we just keep taking care of them. We well, can't walk for forever. Like a lot of ba- like, a lot of giraffes, babies. Yeah, they're just like, giraffes running. pop out, and then they're just walking. They're walking. Yeah, they're doing everything for themselves. Like, like, I'm gonna go eat some leaves. There's like some animals. The baby's born. It's like practically it's time to fend for yourself. You know, like sea turtles, like they just give birth to like a thousand eggs, and, and then like just four leave of them. them are gonna make yeah, the they're ocean, just left. All. They're just left on the beach. Like, good luck. So, I mean, we'll love our child more than that. No, I think you should actually try to adopt some more. I don't know some other parenting qualities from other animals, like like a sea turtle. <laughs> like, just leave her, see what happens. We try and f- leave them to their own devices for the yeah foreseeable like, hey, future. Can can you feed yourself? Good luck, baby. <laughs> uh, I'm very scared about about being thing. a father. Well, I know that. Don't worry, you're going to be terrible. Just like everyone. <laughs> what kind of emotional scars? I do think that when the time comes, you just kind of are ready for it. Yeah, man. But uh, like you let your instincts take take like kick in, and you're going to take care of 
this child like you would anything. But for ev- but for every day that we wake up and I see my wife and she's you know uncomfortable and pregnant and I I'm, I ask, uh, how you feeling? What do you do- think right now? You you feel different? And every time she says nah, I just I'm just you know now it's at, never coming. Now at, has it started to kick in the thought of like every morning you wake up and you're still not a father. One of these days the is going to be the last day that you wake up not a father. Yeah, I thought about that. Like, you're... How old are you? You're 30? Yeah. You had 30 good years of, not of yourself. Like, your responsibility is yourself. And then you multiply. And then it's like, well, now I got this thing. Yeah, a part of me is really skeptical of the... What everyone always says, which is like, oh, it's going to change you. Because I'm the type of person, no matter what the situation, I'm always like, I'm so... You're detached. I'm so detached. Yeah. I have no emotion. Correct. I'm very good at... I notice that when you're on the phone sometimes, <laughs> and like someone will tell you something, and like I react like, wow, and you're just like, okay. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> It clearly didn't hit him the same way. I'm just good at internalizing things. So, but I do think that's why I can't wait for you to have this baby. Because I'd actually, I, I'm on board with like, I think it's going to change you. Well, I was going to say it changes everybody. Well, I was going to say like I already, but it, that's not true. Like that's just my constructed image of myself. In my exactly. Because I know over the last even even in regardless of the baby that's gone the way, like I've become I've become such a softy over everything. I cry over politics now. I never cry over politics. Well, that's because you're a baby. And, but I'm not even talking about like, oh, you know, like when Joe Biden supporters or Hillary supporters were crying on the side because their candidate lost. I mean, like, I'll watch someone give an impassioned speech about why they love this country and then like a weep. I'm like, oh, I love it too. It's interesting. But I do it for because I do it for pets. I do it for things so, with okay, Rachel. So like, like, I'm, I'm pretty, just crying over everything these days. I'm pretty emotional. I don't know when it happened, but man, I'm. Like, Amanda knows it. Like, Amanda knows, like, how to get me. If something like, hits you right, she'll show cry. me, like, if you show me a video of any sort of special needs child, <laughs> I'm I, I'm actually tearing up just saying it. Like, I can't, like, I, I have such a soft spot. You know what gets in, me, too, a lot? Oh, like, watching... Soldiers coming home. Watching Those people, get me. Watching people, like, rescue animals. Those get me. Like, yeah, that gets me. Like, there's, like, a seal with, like, last plastic week, on its head. Last week, I watched the video... Of the two guys who have the tiger, and then they or the lion, and they're like, "All right, well, we can't just keep Christian the lion." The lion. Christian the lion. So then they release the lion, and then they come back, and the lion remembers them. Oh, I was weeping. I was like, "Oh my god!" So <laughs> that video's like a fifteen years old. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no baby yet. Very emotional. I cried at your wedding. I didn't wow. think I was gonna do that. Oh, that so, happens. That's emotional. No, that's you're supposed time. to cry at your wedding. I don't even remember if I cried at my wedding. I, I think you had like, like one like. Oh, this is beautiful. So that was that. No baby yet. No baby yet. Um, but other things did happen this week. A lot of things happened um, this week. So I know you, last week we talked about how I never remember the topics that I want. I wrote about. down topics this, so this week. week. You were because like, I think enough happened, oddly enough, in this past week that is worth writing it down. We should talk about it. Okay. So like, I kind of want to start with like, I think a pretty quick one that we just get out of the way and talk about, get your opinion on it. Is Tiger Woods. Okay. Obviously, last week, um, what was that, Tuesday, 
in the late afternoon. So let's set a little story here. Tiger Woods, I am someone, I'm not a big golf fan, but grow, grew up watching prime Tiger Woods. I of really course. did enjoy watching Tiger Woods play golf. Of course. I would have said I was a Tiger fan, not a golf fan, back in the day. And then in the later stages of his career, like in 2008, when everything went to... That was 2008. When 2009. Alright, when things went to shit for him. Mm-hmm. You know, that was... very. In, I was very interested in those storylines, not so much in the golf aspect, but just what was going on with Tiger's life. Yeah. But over the last few years, I'm not a big golf follower and Tiger follower. You, on the other hand... Yeah. Hardcore. Are a big golf guy. Love golf. It's my favorite sport. Not my favorite sport to watch. My favorite sport to watch probably still is baseball, but... Boy, do I love watching golf on a, on a Sunday, on a Thursday night, if it's if they're like on the West Coast or in Hawaii. Um, but regardless, Tiger is golf. Like Tiger Woods is professional golf. If you're a professional golf fan, if you're in the the 99% of golf fans are Tiger fans, and they're golf fans because of Tiger. And on Tuesday, Tiger, they just had the Genesis Open out in LA, so Tiger's out in LA, that's his tournament, and he's driving, I think he was driving to, I think he was like giving celebrities lessons or something, he was going to do some sort of shoot, and he flipped his car, gets into this horrific accident, they have to use the jaws of life to get him out, they get, rush him to the hospital, he's got two fractures in his leg, and his ankle, his one leg, so they keep, they perform surgery on him, but there was so much swelling that they had to cut his uh, the soft tissue open to let it breathe. So, like, he's going to still have to go back for more surgeries. And it's it's kind of... You put out a video that said it was the end of his career. Uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna double down on that. I, I really do think this is the end of Tiger, and, as, and it kind of sucks. I What did I say to you, though? I think it's good because it'll... You'll always be able to say, he would have got the record. Yeah, actually... Even though he probably wouldn't have. You can still say it. Well, I do. I, I was saying that to one of my buddies. I was like, you know what? I do almost think it's it's not a good thing, but Tiger in the past year, since he won the Masters, was not when Tiger first came back. This this last comeback when he came back and he was progressing, won the Tour Championship, and then he um, then he started competing at um, the British Open and then the PGA, and then it all culminates in him winning the Masters in 2019. Which was a beautiful moment. And then, since then, he hasn't really... He hasn't played well. He hasn't played well. Then he had another back surgery. He... I think this was the beginning of the end for him, and then this just kind of seals, seals it. it. So now it does exactly what you said, right? Like, it just kind of leaves that door open. Like, well, he hey, would've... If he didn't get in that car accident, he probably could've won three more tournaments. But this is what me and my buddy were talking about. Imagine if Tiger goes through his whole career. Forget the personal issues. He can still have the personal issues. The stuff with Elon and the cheating. Who cares? But the actual injuries, the back surgeries, the knee surgeries, the broken leg, now the car accident, the DUIs. Imagine if that stuff doesn't exist and he just has a healthy career. He wins 30 majors. But that's every great athlete. Like Part of it is Griffey. The, the physicality. Yeah. Like Babe Ruth's body broke down, Mickey or Mickey Mantle, Mantle's body broke King down, Griffey. Don Mattingly's body broke down. There's so many greats who could have been, should have been, would have been, but are hampered. That's why. I, so what Tiger was able to accomplish, even though for more than half of his career he was a, he was battling through some real injuries. Yeah, I think no. it's really impressive what he did. But that's kind of why I hate when people say when you're talking about like 
MLB Hall of Fame voting. Oh, he's a compiler. Part of it is compiling. Part of it is compiling. He was able, able to, to stay healthy for 15 years. That's incredible. Like, Giancarlo Stan is all the talent in the world. It does not matter if you're not on the field. It is the best ability is availability is what they always say. Yeah, so right. like if you're going out there and you're putting up just mass amount of stats over a long period of time because you've played more games or you've been in more tournaments or so you've had being more opportunities, healthy, that's part of it. Part of it. So with Tiger, go back to Tiger, like it, it really stinks that for his whole the beginning part of his career, super healthy and then his body breaks down, couldn't keep up with him. But a lot of that is he put more wear and tear on his body than anyone in the history of the sport. Do you think that? Do you think that he, like the story that he wasn't on, you know, no uh, outside influence? How do you flip a car? You know how I drive, and you always criticize so, how I drive. I've never flipped anything. Apparently, what I heard is like where he got into this accident is notorious for these types of accidents because of just the way the road is. But what I will say is. The day before, well, two days before the accident, on the Sunday, when he's, it's Championship Sunday at the Genesis Invitational, and he's on with Nance and Faldo, and he's, he's doing the interview, he looked awful. I don't know if you saw the pictures or the video from that interview. His face is swollen. He looks tired and beat down. At one point, he's like, just like looking down. He looked like he was on something. So, if the reports are he was clean, then, Good, I'm glad. then then he's clean because it's Tiger Woods and I'm gonna believe whatever I'm told about Tiger Woods. <laughs> but I also wouldn't be shocked if they were like covering it up and he definitely had something in the system. I hope he. I mean, it really doesn't matter either way. I guess I want him to get whatever help he needs for whatever issues he has. But I do think that it just seems so unusual that an individual car accident flipping your car it is and you're Tiger Woods like it is crazy you're Tiger Woods you're either doing it because you're going fast and you're having fun and you think you're untouchable because you're Tiger Woods and in that sense like okay that's not good it's better than being on drugs or you're on drugs and you flip your car because you're Tiger Woods but just Tiger Woods is like going to a golf tournament all careful and he flips his truck that's tough I don't know I'm still not completely sure this wasn't all a not fake this is 100% real like, what if Genesis kind of set Tiger up? Because you see the articles that are coming out? Like, they Forbes put out an article about, car. like, Genesis is like, look at all the new tech features that may have saved Tiger Woods' <laughs> life. Like, they're just trying to show off their new car. Like, I think they... It's a commercial. I think it was a plant. Well, what if Tiger... <clears throat> but Tiger didn't know. What if Tiger did know? What if he's in on it? He's like, no, he wouldn't, I'll flip it. He wouldn't we'll put his career... He wouldn't put, nah, he wouldn't do it. But... I mean, maybe he was if he's like, I'm never going to win again. So today is... Championship Sunday at the golf tournament this week. It's a yeah. it's a WGC, and the players, not all of the players, but a lot of them, with the news of Tiger Woods. If you don't know Tiger Woods, on Sundays Tiger wears his blood red shirt, Everyone's his black red. pants, and his black hat. He didn't die. The pictures <laughs> of these golfers coming out in their black and red outfits, paying tribute to Tiger, it made you cry. It's, it's unbelievable. I was so emotional. I love it so much. See, these are the type of things that make Frank He's literally tearing up talking about it. Oh, my God. I mean, it's, it's Tiger, man. It's and, like, Tiger's changed a lot since this whole new comeback, and you know more about his family and how he interacts with his kids. And, like, 
I don't know, I'm just happy he didn't die. Like, he's, is, he survived. I'm also happy he didn't die. He's going to now, he may never play golf again, but who cares? Like, you could be, a, be you healthy. Could be the, and he'll still play in, like, the senior tournaments at some point. Maybe. Like, whatever. And Charlie Woods is going to come along and break all Tigers' records anyway. So it doesn't cool. matter. Um, I am glad he didn't die. There was a period on Tuesday after the news broke of the crash that we didn't know. Then there was like, well, it's Tiger. It, people like, were like, oh, he went the way of Kobe, but he didn't, which is good. If we lost Tiger and Kobe back-to-back years, I think I'd take my life at that point. Well, it's not you like Kobe. No, but I like Tiger enough that it's like <laughs> I'll just lump Kobe in. Because it's like all the people have emotion about Kobe. I have more for Tiger. Yeah. It's not a competition, but... I got but I love Tiger. Um, yeah, that definitely did happen this week. Yep. There was a lot of news that happened this week, like news news. And I also played a lot of video games this week, so we can talk about those things. What else is on your list that you wrote down? Um, is there anything interesting? I've got, I've got news things, but before we get into news things, I have one weird thing. Okay, well, let's do a weird thing. Okay, so I went to Wegmans. Okay. Wegmans is a grocery store if you're not from the Jersey area. I went a couple days ago. Okay. Now, me and Amanda do not, or Amanda and I, you know grammar, um, we do not drink bottles of water. We think it's not great for the environment, just plastic bottles, so we fill up cups. But we don't have, I don't like tap water, so we do use plastic, but we get the five-gallon jugs, and we have a water dispenser, and we fill up, like, you know, the aluminum bottles that keep the water cold. Well... Wegmans has the cheapest five-gallon water jugs. Well, I'm out of water, and I fill up my my cart, and I have three jugs in there. I'm checking out in the self-checkout, and I see this guy start walking down. He must have just checked out, and he's walking towards me to leave. And I can see him, like, looking at me in my cart. And as he passes, he just goes, a lot of water. And then I kept walking. I was so furious, and like, it's not something I should be mad about, but like, why are you commenting on my groceries, dude? Like, who are you? Was he trying to shame you into buying that much water? You, no, I think, was he just I think he was just it? trying to be like, funny, like, oh, I'm a oh, nice guy, a lot of water, you're so thirsty. I'm trying to, to... I'm gonna hit you. I, I, was, <laughs> I was, I don't know why it triggered me, I was just like... Don't, I'm so triggered by like, this. Don't talk about my groceries. Pay attention to your groceries. You have a bat. You have a cart full of just bags of miscellaneous crap. Yeah. Talking about my water. That is true. I don't know, but I just think I don't like that in general. Like when people try to like make comments I, to show they're friendly. See, I'm kind of guilty of interjecting into other people's shit all the time in public. But like, I do it because I enjoy it. Like, I think it's fun to just like make. Not even make fun of people because I'm not making fun of anyone, but like if you're just trying to like show that you're a nice guy, I and, agree. Yeah, like, and like two people are f- trying to decide like what they like better at the grocery store. I'm like, I'll go with that one and it, like walk away for no reason. You know what? Maybe I think part of it too, though, is like COVID because well, we're if, wearing masks exactly. So if this happens when I'm not wearing a mask and you say that's a lot of water, I don't have to have any sort of verbal response. I can just kind of like smile you see that I acknowledge what you said. Well now with the mask on I'm going to do that same like kind of smile but you can't see that. You feel obligated so to now, make an auto Yeah so now it's like on, I'm not ignoring you now I have to make a remark like yeah it's a lot of water. It's a, the whole thing it really just comes down to screw COVID and COVID ruins everything. When do you think we're going to be done with masks? Never. I think we're wearing masks for the next five years. It's so crazy. 
The, the numbers do not justify the mass. Um, all right. I want How, to get it. Hold on, wait. Yeah. How do we ever get rid of the masks? Because, like... You're just going to stop wearing them. But, like, me and you, I think, are in agreement that COVID's never going away. The COVID is now a thing we're going to deal with yeah. year after year after year after year. It's going to it's gonna have variants. Like it's going to change. It's going to be like the flu. Well, but good thing is, so we got just, rid of the flu, so it's good. So we just need another pandemic to get rid of COVID. Yeah. It'll kill more people. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, I... Want to get into the news issues because there's a lot of obviously big topics going what's on. What's the what's the big one you want to hit first? I think we should do Syria first. Okay. Because it's probably the most relevant. But I also want to be very fair in this discussion yeah, because as you should be. It's very easy here to be hyperbolic and to be partisan. And and to be fair, it is kind of justified to be partisan in certain respects. But. I do want to touch on the actual geopolitics of the situation we find ourselves in and what what we're looking at with the Biden administration and what their goals are going to be in, and in this region. I'm really going to kind of let you go here because geopolitics is probably like my weakest part. <laughs> I don't know. My stance is always going to be anti-war, don't bomb, don't do anything to any other country unless completely necessary so like that's always going to be my stance um but at the same time i think if you're just any sort of layman and you have opinions on geopolitics i think that's completely fine i think it's completely fine that you have opinions on geopolitics but i think it is an incredibly hard subject to really understand the nuance and the the relationships all across the world so I think that's why i'm going to defer to you here well first and foremost We'll just have a conversation about what the current event aspects. We yeah. won't go into like a lot of the nitty gritty of like ISIS, what territories they control, where our troops are mobilized, where the this Eastern Syrian drone. That's good. Cause I don't was. know. Don't none know of any that, of that stuff. None of that matters for our purposes, but they do matter in the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, I am a geopolitical. I've always really been interested in the geopolitics. I think it's because when I was younger. My formative political years of like 2001 to 2016. I mean, what we did post 9/11 completely shaped your political yeah ideology. And I was very, I was very into politics around the time we were finding out there were no weapons of mass destruction, and that Cheney and Rumsfeld were lying, and that the United States military-industrial complex, like, I was like 15 years old and starting to like learn about how we're. We occupy half the world, so yeah. But let's just talk about. Let's just be fair and and truthful about what happened. So, on the one hand, Joe Biden drone strikes, bombs. They say Iranian-backed militia in, in Syria. Syria. They say in response to a missile strike on a U.S. base in Iraq. That killed one U.S. contractor. Okay. okay. So, the first thing we should say is, it's not necessarily the most abhorrent thing in the world. Because you look at the reaction, especially from Trump supporters and from people who don't like Joe Biden, you would think it were the worst thing in the world. You would think we were on the verge of World War Three. We're not. Not necessarily. So... Put that out there. However, 
when we talk about what Trump did in his time in office, because remember, early on in his administration, he bombed he the bombed Syrian Syria. airstrip. Yeah. So what would the context of around what Trump did? So as far as I remember, that being was like, um, it, it it definitely had something to do with Assad in some way, but I mean, it was just an airstrip. There was no people involved. No one, as far as I know, I don't believe anyone was killed in that that first strike. But I just remember the news afterwards, like, praising Trump for it. <laughs> yeah, the it's interesting. Trump was essentially goaded into retaliation Correct. against Assad in Syria for a gas attack that was later... Right, it was the gas attack. That was right. later proven it was to a false be flag? a false flag. Yeah. Um, or maybe not proven, but believed strongly believed to be a false strongly thing. kind of there's a lot of evidence that points to that um there's a commission that goes around and analyzes these sort of gas attacks or chemical weapon attacks and then puts out reports and that that commission that put out the report essentially lied saying that the strike came from Assad when in reality it's potentially no one was attacked i have a great youtube video on my personal youtube channel sal the about Earth. The from Trump the airstrike? day, not about his airstrike, the from gas, before the airstrike happened, about the how the gas attack was clearly a false flag. Nailed it. Um, but, I mean, those are the type of things that when you're, when you're actually informed on geopolitics, it become very obvious. Yeah. Because you understand the motivations of these actors. And, and by the way, that's why I'm going to defend anyone, whether they're left, right, center, I don't care. I'll defend anyone who, if they come out with... Um, opinions in regards to geopolitics that are like that you may not agree with. I'll defend them in just saying like, I think you get a pass when it comes to geopolitics. Of like, it's hard. Like I really do think it's hard, and like, it's important to be informed on it. Absolutely, but it's impossible to be to know everything. Um, well, it is impossible to know everything because you're really talking about the interpersonal relationships between nations. So and there's no way we can know those things. And the motivating factors of every nation is different and, and very complex and multiple. And we well, and by the way, like we'll never know our motivating like America's motivating factors. Not they'll they'll come out and say what they are, but that doesn't mean that's what they are. Well, like take the for example, the excuse of the Biden administration for launching this retaliatory strike is this contractor who died in Iraq but when you actually start reading the news articles about this drone strike and start analyzing what we actually know you'll understand how these players operate because in the United States our government isn't like Biden is so not in control of this operation like he's not the one he might even given the order but this this operation was planned executed orchestrated by Faceless, nameless, military well, intelligence was, people. Well, he was out on the front lawn giving away coffee, hanging out with his dogs. <laughs> this is all being planned. Yeah. So, but what is really going on here? Okay. Do we have any sort of justification for being in Syria to this point? No. No. <laughs> so, like, that's where it really boils down to. We can make any excuse we want. Okay, so Assad's a bad guy, or these bombs in Iraq really hurt us, so we gotta go back at him. We bombed Syria. And we've wanted to bomb Syria for now a decade. It does seem like we're obsessed with we Syria. We love Syria. We want to get Assad out so bad. But it's because it's a proxy war. Just like it's a proxy war in Yemen. Like, we hear a lot... Define proxy war. Uh, It's a war, right? But it's like... Hiding the actual conflict. Okay. So, 
we are fighting in Syria to essentially liberate the Kurdish rebels. That's what we would tell you. But what we're actually doing is we're funding and arming ISIS in order to overthrow Assad because Syria is in a civil war. And the reason why we want to overthrow Assad is because Assad is really close to Putin and really close to Xi Jinping and really close to Venezuela and really close to Iran. And we would love it not to be in war with, with China and Russia because like that's a little, it's a little hot. If that happened, we're in endgame of, like, globalist planet. But, like, this is even lower on the totem pole because you're just talking about, like, corrupt people who want to make money off war. I did say, I don't know if I said it on this podcast, but I did say by year two of Biden Biden's administration, we were going to be at war with Russia. Well, this is how it happened. So, like, our position in Syria when Trump retaliated was... One of, we were going to scale back. By the way, I'm very consistent in my approach, by the way. Because I, when Trump bombed Syria, I was pissed. Yeah. I was pissed. I had a Facebook status about, he's like, I, this is not why I voted for this dude. I thought he was going to be different. And. But, I mean, even though I wasn't pissed at the time, just like I'm not really pissed now because this is just how we operate. And it's not the president. Like, it wasn't Trump, really. I was Trump more, did it. I was more pissed when Trump did it than I was when Biden did but it. But they, what they did was they went to Trump and they gave him a list of options and targets. And, okay, we'll hit this airport and we'll take that out of commission. We didn't kill anyone, but we injured some people, whatever. In that case, though, we had already announced when Trump had won, one of the first things he had said was that we were going to scale back in Syria. And we were on the verge of beginning that when the gas attack happened, which is why it was so obvious that that gas attack was a false flag from anti-Assad forces who want to keep the United States in Syria. There are definitely those types, those interests. Um, so Trump retaliates, and then we still end up scaling back in Syria. We still occupy their oil fields because <laughs> that's what it's about a lot of the time, right? It's of course, just about oil. having more oil, taking oil from Middle Eastern countries. Um, in this instance, though, Biden is elected president, and he immediately ramps up troop presence in Syria, immediately mobilizes troops into regions of Syria we hadn't been, reestablish, they would argue this, but reestablishes ISIS's presence in Syria. They would say they didn't do that, but I think they're doing that. Um, and then drone striking Syria in retaliation for something that in my opinion, has nothing to do with Syria. If you read a lot of these, the, the most recent New York Times article on the subject talks about how uh, Biden administration targets Iranian terrorist-linked group, but then immediately says, there's no evidence that the, this group was actually linked to Iran. So that's what we're dealing with. It's literally the people in the Pentagon, the people behind the scenes, the people you don't elect. The permanent state, you could hear the dog shaking in the background. Well, the permanent state wants not just endless war in the Middle East, but they have a desired goal to have full-scale conflict in both Syria and Iran. So when Trump did it, I was really upset. And I but I said, "All right, what am I can't do anything about it. Let's see how he progresses forward." And honestly, his next 3 years were okay. Um I mean, with but, with some drone strikes linked in, he yeah, of course. got Soleimani. He but killed the what that other guy who's as the far, austere scholar. As far as Biden goes, I, 
and maybe this is biased, but I have a different opinion on Joe Biden and what he's going to do. And not, and not him specifically, his administration. When you put the, the heads of these defense contractors in positions of power, I have a feeling that we're going to go to war a lot more. But he also, because they all stand to benefit when that happens. He also has a voting record that indicates he's he always on board for war. He loves war. And he was in the White House when Obama took two wars and made them seven wars and turned our drone strike policy from something that was horrific under Bush to and the, Cheney to, to something that is absolutely... And he won a, no, what, what gets and he won a Nobel Peace Prize while doing it. So when does Biden get his Nobel Peace Prize? What gets done in the name of the American citizen in these regions where we are turning sand into glass and killing innocents, it's it's really scary. We've mentioned it on the podcast how we're not really the good guys. We're going to get... We're going to eventually at some point have to pay for our... Atone. We're in decade number three of this... Of these conflicts. Well... You know, like, on on the American level, you watch, like, if you ask, like, your average American what, like, the biggest issues are with our country, they're going to tell you it's racism, it's transgender movements, it's abortion. Um, but really, like, if you macro level, like, these, if you go to these foreign people in, these, in the Middle East and you say, what do you think about America? Do you think they care? No. About the racist division we have, no. the transgender. They care about the fact that kids grow up in the Middle East knowing one thing, and that is the Americans were at war with America at all at, at all times. The complexities. I mean, a lot of the area, like especially in places like Afghanistan, a lot of the local population don't even think about that. A lot of the local population don't know. One way or the other. It's no different to them. They are just rural sheep herders. They are peaceful people out in the middle of nowhere who are minding their own business. There are cities, though, in places like Afghanistan and Iraq that have been leveled by our aggression. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, you're a 30-year-old American male. You know, basically for your whole life now, we've been at war in the Middle East. Yes. A 30-year-old male in... Iran, Iraq, Pakistan. Yeah, they grew up. What are they thinking? Well, imagine if you're in Syria and for the last 11 years your country has gone from one of the freest, most sovereign countries in the region where I guess we are so biased here because we look at the behavior of certain leaders around the world and classify some as dictators and others as just when you look at their behavior and compare them and there's no difference. So, like, Assad, yeah, is he a bad, brutalist dictator? Sure. Is Putin a bad, bad authoritarian, totalitarian figure? Yeah, sure. What is the United States government? Like, what is, like, the Mexican government? I mean, you go around the world. We are all... Governments generally are bad things. Around so the globe, yes. To this propaganda that we have in the United States that makes us think that our democracy is sacred and it's worth sharing around the world has caused millions of deaths. Like, a, a Holocaust-level <laughs> event over the last 20 years in the name of the United States taxpayer at our expense. Like, our prosperity is gone. Trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars have gone to, have gone to buy bombs that we've used to kill innocent people. 
Not always innocent people, but a lot of the time innocent people. Like why? Like Glenn Greenwald is someone I'm very I admire very much because Glenn Greenwald was key in getting the Snowden release out. He was instrumental in, expose, in exposing the Bush administration's lies. He was instrumental in holding the Obama administration accountable early on before he had to start his own his own press company in The Intercept before he was pushed out of there. So he's the ultimate like independent journalist, journalist yeah. type of figure, right? He is one, one, in an industry filled with people who not only support this type of aggression, but at, think this is what defines us as Americans. Look at the hatred he gets online these days. Someone like Glenn Gruel, yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, like, you have journalists for the New York Times saying, like, oh, Trump finally became presidential because he blew up an airport in Syria. Or, oh, look at Biden, he's, he's so nice that we have a president who's in control. In control? Biden can't, I don't even know if Biden goes to the bathroom on his own. In control? <laughs> of what? He's not in control of anything. Raytheon just bombed Syria. Yes. Which is cool if that's what we want to do, but I don't think many Americans actually want that. It's what it's the but government that wants. The it. Americans are too busy, caught up fight in fighting about every other dumb issue in the world. And while except for these things. And while we're fighting each other over every issue, we're fighting each other over race and and partisan divides and how Trump should be in jail and how great so Joe Biden dumb. is. China is getting stronger. Yep. So it's a it's a precarious position we're putting ourselves in. And and one last thing, like when we talk about the trillions that have gone to funding these wars and these bombs, like it ties into everything. So when we talk about minimum wage, or we talk about the stimulus checks you want to get because, you know, we we need stimulus checks, or you talk about the number of of people who are dying because of, I don't know, trans issues or homelessness or whatever. Well, all the money we've spent instead of on those things, on war, that hurts us. And while our minimum wage has been at $7.25 for a decade since 2009, and the fight for 15 goes from Occupy Wall Street 2009, our wages haven't risen. The richest people in the country have, only have tripled their yeah. wealth. So, it is an oligarchy. The system is designed to make the richest people richer, and they do that through coercion. They manufacture consent with propaganda, and then we go and kill innocent people in countries that I can't think, afford or, or are powerful enough and to And I think that's us. a great transition, so now let's look at the COVID relief bill that they're trying to get through. Woo! And this is the the, the new the COVID <laughs> relief bill is a manifestation of everything you just said. It's hilarious. It is everything that's wrong with it. Now I mean, you gotta laugh. You gotta laugh. No, I think it's too. I think yes, it's so bad that it's laughable, but it's also scary that like they can still just get away with this stuff. They can get one away point, with it. One point two trillion dollars, I think, in that one point nine trillion the, dollar bill goes other places. Nine percent. Nine percent of that bill goes to the American people. That's it. They're building one most point, of it. Most one point nine trillion dollars. Most of the spending doesn't even occur until after twenty twenty five. So, like, what kind of spending is that? And not and only the that, people, they're building a bridge. They're building the a tunnel. And the people who are who are defending it. Why? Who do you owe? Who do you? Why do you owe anything to the Democrats or to Joe Biden or to Mitch McConnell or to any of the 
shit Republicans. You don't. Yeah. You don't. You don't owe anything to any of you them. You don't have to try and justify it. There's no justification. No. There's no justification for I. My political stances have changed over the years, of course. I do not think it's a good idea to just be printing money. I think that that's a bad idea. I think it's going to have bad effects later I, on. I, but see, I would disagree with you because I'm someone who wants the entire system to collapse. So I think so, like, it's a great a... idea. Print all the money. Just keep going. But it, but but then it comes <laughs> to like, if you're going to print it, why be... aren't we giving it to the American people? Why aren't well, we that's seeing what we've this been money? Saying. We've so, been like, saying like, if you're you going to pass you're, these bills. If you're a Biden supporter or a Democratic supporter, how are you not livid? Yeah. You were promised a $2,000 check to be sent out the second they were in office. Not even close. It's two months past. Where's your money? You're not even getting 2000 It is not even 2000 It's 1400 Well, we got the 600 It, it, it counts. If we got to no, 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 no. Syria first. No, no, no. Uh, they're on record saying they're different. Yeah. The 600 had nothing to do with it. We can't do anything right in this country but see, because this is... we're too busy fighting each other over bunch of crap this is why podcasts like ours are important not just podcasts but like media like ours is important because if it weren't for us not like us me and you but if it weren't for the other voices no one in this country would even remember the conversation that was had before the election where donald trump remember there is no such thing as a stimulus check directly to your fucking bank account without donald trump there is no such... If Donald Trump never wins in 2016, Hillary Clinton never gives you a check in 2019. Well, also, this is not the establishment's COVID, idea. COVID probably doesn't happen. We'll forget that. But this isn't the establishment's idea. It's not in their playbook. They never want to give you the money. Barack Obama and Joe Biden presided over one of the worst economic downturns in the history of the globe. Their response to it was to pay banks. Their response to it was to bail out auto manufacturers. They gave not a dime to anyone else in this country. Now, Trump is president, and it's Trump who says, I think we should give the money directly to the people. And it's from that comment that the idea of stimulus checks happened. Democrats thought they were calling a bluff, that Trump was never going to do it. And he does Because, let's be honest, there are they people, weren't going to do but it. But there are people in the Democratic Party... Andrew Yang, who ran on a UBI, a universal basic income. And the Democrats hated him. Yes. They hated him for that. Yes. They don't want that in their party. So it was Trump who thought, who brought brought it into our public consciousness. It was the Trump administration who executed but, and printed both of those checks. And then it was months before the election when Trump said they need at least $2,000. Let's forget all the spending, all the extra stuff. Just pass a standalone $2,000 check bill. I will work with Democrats. I will sign it immediately. And when and the they Democrats do, they decided tried to not fill to do it, that. They tr they tr and they tried to fill it with crap in the, the gender studies in Pakistan. Are you but talking they, about before that? They didn't even do that. What they said was, we're not, we're not doing anything. We're not going to give you a win before the election. We're going to take this into the election. And then they campaigned to on $2,000 checks. And they backed down immediately. And then they won on that promise that but, was Trump's idea. <laughs> And then they have they refuse to do it. They but this is why, it back. But this is why the Democrats are so powerful. They are so powerful because they're so good at convincing their supporters that, that they're, the, the yeah, they're the good guys. They're the good guys. Because perception is reality. It doesn't matter that the reality is that they're not actually going to give you any money. And, and it was they Trump's have, idea. Their perception is 
The Republicans are the ones who are stopping you from getting this money. We're trying to give you this money, and we just can't seem to do it. Yeah. And they have all the money in the world. They have all the media behind then, them. So it's, it's a real So then tough, what does it turn into? Game. So what does it turn into? The people on Twitter, the people on the left, are they, are they upset with the Democrats? Are they upset with Joe Biden? No. They're upset with the Republicans. What do they want to do? They want to end the filibuster because that's the issue. It's crazy. Well, they are radicals. It's crazy. So, all in all, we're going to be at war for the next hundred years, and we're all going to be poor because the country will have no money left. I think we're really setting ourselves up to essentially just be... Like, I keep thinking about the fall of the USSR, because that was really the fall of... The fall of the USSR came less from outside forces. It came a lot from outside forces because we subjugated... We subjugated. We subverted them. With you know CIA propaganda, just like we're being subverted now by KGB and Chinese propaganda to hate ourselves. But in Russia, what eventually or the USSR would eventually happen is they just stop really caring about their government. We're just like this: these people are corrupt. They're not helping us. And why do we even care? And that's all it takes. But I'm so I still just don't believe it's ever going to come to the point where the people agree. Well, the people on. They don't have to agree. There are people on both sides who are so entrenched in their, uh, in their, their party in this game of like, this is my team. I fight for my team. I don't care who's on the other side. They're evil. The, the unfortunate when it's like you know everyone. The unfortunate thing is, it's it's not really. It's not really about agreeing because like we can figure out some common ground in some places, but. What it more is, is will the American people find a common enemy before it's too late? So, like, that I believe the common enemy that all Americans share is the U.S. government. And if we all united around that idea that the U.S. government is the one, the one entity in all of our lives that has really made us suffer the most, then I think we'd be able to overcome it. Can I attempt to play a clip and we can come back to it and if it doesn't sound great we can edit it out sure play it see what happens right. what is it so this is I'm not even going to tell you what it is I'm just, I'm just going to play it they take this left in the same sense that look what they did with the, the, the terror wars was they turned the right wing impulse to be tough and protect your country and defend the bill of rights this really beautiful noble thing and they turned that into slaughtering poor people in third world countries yeah. they take this noble thing and they make it evil they're geniuses and what they've done is they take this leftist kind of impulse to care about the marginalized which in its purest form it's is good. a good thing yeah, something that a society a, a moral society needs and they've turned this into attacking everyone for this, every stupid reason. But it's it's to Luke's point. This is the perfect is like the, it, it's the perfect divide yeah, and conquer tactic that, that can never. You you can make sure yeah. that they never focus on the fact that we have more in common with each other than we ever will with Donald yeah. Trump or I, Joe and Biden. When they're fighting yeah. It's not in the same about fighting each other. It is the establishment versus the anti-establishment. It is that simple. And it's so obvious. And people go, don't get it or don't care to get it. I had a really great Twitter exchange with, some, with a Democrat. I think I may have read it. Who was arguing with me essentially that Trump was the real issue. He's going to jail. Yeah, because Joe Biden. They said something about like your cynicism is warranted. It was that. It's misplaced. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Nah, you're (laughs) like you're right. Like this guy, like kind of gets it. Kind of gets it. But he doesn't. But he doesn't get it because the in his mind the answer is elect more Democrats. 
But, like, I don't understand how you reach that conclusion because, like, Feinstein and Leahy and Schumer and Pelosi and McConnell and even, like, Joe Panetta. Leon Panetta's son is a fucking congressman from California. That's insane. We have dynastic establishment politicians in this and it's not even... The, it's like... Look at like Newsom. Newsom's part of that whole family going back like 40 you have, years. You have Congress and Senate, which are there entirely to distract us and to give us a punching bag. You have a president who's a puppet for the most wealthy and sadistic people to ever live. And you have a judicial branch that is essentially bought and paid for at this point. There's nothing about the system that is worth trying to defend or justify the only time this will be our government will start working for us again is when we make and And, we haven't made it and so so far it doesn't look like there's anything promising down the pipeline pipeline that looks like we're gonna start to make it work for us no i don't think so we're we're it feels like we're very far away from it maybe we're closer than it appears but i think we're pretty far but i kind of want to change gears yeah kind of keeping like the news realm Okay. But talk more about like local news, New Jersey news. What's going Legal on? Legal weed. Murphy signed the bill. It's kind of a shit bill. It is, and that's kinda of why I want to talk about it. I mean, I'm they, they kinda of goes with what your last clip just said, but like they just kinda of beat you down to the point where like you take whatever scraps you can get, so like, alright, it's legal. But it's <laughs> but like is, but is it, what does that mean? Like, is it really legal? It's like, well you You can have up to six ounces of Which is a lot, which by is the way. Lot. That's yeah. a crazy amount to just like have. But anyway, like you can't. You still need to have a medical marijuana card as of right now. That's only because purchase. there's no dis- recreational dispensers. But we're not going to get dispensers for a year, at least. But you can still have it. You just can't buy it. Anywhere. But you can't buy it illegally. So and you can't grow it. You can't grow, which I think is that's the stupidest. I think that's the stupidest ask because every because other state that has done it has allowed growing. Well, I, it's stupid to me. It has nothing to do with the other states. It has everything to do with the idea that, like, the government is telling me I can't grow a plant, and I really just don't like the government. So, like, I, why... Who are you to tell me I can't grow a plant that you can like, sell me? Phil Murphy can tell me I can't grow a specific plant. Like, I'm so sick of these people. Like, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell can insider trade, and they could have shipping containers filled with cocaine coming out of the South China Sea and they could have, you know, sexual assault allegations for four decades. Oh, right. We I didn't touch on Cuomo. grow a marijuana plant if I wanted to or I'd go to jail. I hate this place. Yeah. Like, I don't that, like it. That, I completely agree. I think, I think it's absolutely ridiculous and I think it's interesting that we're almost an hour into this podcast and we actually didn't touch on Cuomo yet. <laughs> Cuomo, my favorite. Um, that guy's a mess. He's in hot water, huh? It's almost like... The funniest thing, I saw a tweet today where a journalist... Like, an actual... Like, this is what gets me. And if you're... I know there's probably very few people who are actually Democrats who listen to this. But if you're a Democrat and you're listening to this, like, here's what I want you to explain to me. Like, this person is an actual journalist. An actual journalist. And their tweet was, I don't understand why the right is so upset about the news media when we're covering the Cuomo issue. And it's like, today? You're covering it now? Like, this isn't new. It wasn't news because it was in the New York Times. This week. 
It was news that's, in August. So that's what I can't... <laughs> I cannot wrap my head around that people, like... When Cuomo first... Was it this past week? Yeah, that, like, he's, he's been killing people in there, nursing homes when the nursing, all year. The nursing home thing came out, and I was like, I, why is this news? We knew this. We, we legitimately but, knew this. But the people who only read the New York Times, who didn't think they're know enlightened, it. they didn't know, and now they know, and they're like, this is terrible. It's like, yeah, and while you were parading around, everyone in the world was talking about how great Cuomo is. I'm like... Well, that's a weird guy to put all your eggs in this basket, Meanwhile, but okay. DeSantis and Christy Nome are doing great, and they're looked at as, like, actual Nazis. Gretchen Whitmer is taking the Cuomo playbook and murdering elderly, and she's a hero. So, like, we, it's all propaganda. Like, if you can't see, but if you can't see past the left-right Democrat-Republican paradigm at this point, if you can't look at the news media you're and a lost see soul. that you're being shepherded into different You're past the point of help. Yeah, like, what is it going to take? Nothing. Because... You're gone. They have no standards. You're gone. You're completely gone. Like, I just caution anyone out there who really reacts emotionally to the things they hear us say. I would say that you probably react emotionally to the things you see on the news, and that's why the news is the way it is. Like, stop reacting emotionally. Do not just give these people your outrage. Do not just give them your anger. Do not just give them your fear. You absolutely skeptically scrutinize everything they say to you and then mock them for saying it to you because they're idiots who only want you to submit to their propaganda. It is incredibly dystopian, the time we're living in, but it's not dystopian because dystopian, in my opinion, implies something that's like conceptual. This is reality. Like We're living in a reality where propaganda is the norm, where authoritarianism is the form of government, and where global billionaire wealth 1% whatever you want to call it global power has been consolidated to the point where now they can essentially silence you just out of the, your own fear of making comments we had a conversation with friends and family just the other day about how the things we say on this podcast be careful because it could help us in our it could hurt us in our business in lives. our lives yeah outside of this and I think that that's really indicative like I'm not going to stop I'm not going to change who we are or do things differently because people can't hear things differently today. Yeah. I think it's in it's up That's, to people like us the to onus, continue. The onus isn't on me. The onus is on you. Right? Like the onus is on you to can you can you handle other opinions? If not, fine. I probably don't want to deal with you anyway. I mean we'll be fine. Regardless of what happens. Like I think that ultimately the only people who will be hurt by this are going to be the people who don't understand what's happening. Even if, you know, we get to the darkest timeline and there's extermination squads coming after the far right, quote-unquote, which will be classified as anyone who's not into the communist regime that they want to usher in. If that ever were to take place, we, we'd be the victims, but we wouldn't be hurt. How? We would be understanding of what was happening. Yeah. The people who were be, who misled will eventually look at what they've done and not be able to live with themselves. Because the blood's on their hands. And that'll be sad. Yeah. But it wouldn't be sad for us. It'll just be... It'll be tragic. But, like, we'll be... Yeah. We'll be like, well, here we are. Um, wow, that, last, we, we touched on a lot of well, stuff. And there's still a little bit more we can kind of wanted, speed I through some wanna, stuff. I did want to get into... Any more pitchers and catchers is happening? We got we sports. Do, before we even there. get into sports, do we want to even touch on AMC and GameStop? Oh, yeah. Uh, they have no surge. All I would say is not financial advice. Don't listen to people who are telling you that these stocks are worth 
two dollars because <laughs> they're just trying to get you to sell it. Keep your your average cost. Like my, I've gotten killed on the market the last like week. I've lost like fifteen percent. Because the market, the market as a whole, is yeah, not got, great. It's got gutted. Um, but specifically the stuff that I've been holding, like some things got really trashed. But again, like that's gonna happen. If you know what you're investing in, you'll be able to make good decisions and weather the storm. But with GameStop and AMC specifically, like what were people saying about those stocks? That there's nothing left they're, in them. They're out. four dollar stocks. And well, what happened? If they're that cheap and bad, why did it surge again to $160 a share? Those stocks are broken. <laughs> they're broken <laughs> because the financial institution itself is broken and run by very corrupt people who shorted those stocks to an absurd amount. And if you've hold, and this is going to keep happening, and it it might keep happening. I think so I think it's going to keep happening. If you have some extra dinero and you don't feel like you're going to lose too much by taking a chance, you have a good chance of maybe hitting another surge at some point. But keep your eye on it. Don't buy too high, <coughs> uh, but don't wait too long. All those things you get it. It's the stock market. So. And then now we can kind of go into the baseball's back. Is it though? Um, I. They're playing today. They're playing in an hour. Here's the thing, though. Like, I didn't really watch much baseball last year com- by my standards. I did watch baseball. Though. Like, I'm, I'm usually in every game, every inning. I watched every game of the 60s game season yeah, last year. I didn't do that. I did. Um, and a lot of it was because I don't like Manfred. I don't like the rule changes. I don't like the political atmosphere. I didn't like the shortened season. I don't like the no fans. Like, all those things factored into it. But this year I'm ready to be back. I'm excited. But I got to be honest. Like, Well, first of all, I knew that they weren't changing the rules back. Anyone out there who believed that they were going to change the rules back, uh, I got a bridge to sell you. I'm already over it. Yeah, well, because you're a bitch. It's no, a microcosm. Because I, I want baseball. I know. It's a microcosm of our political reality. Correct. They just but will I, and do it. I'm on the other side when it comes to my submit. sports. Like, I'm just going to submit because I just want baseball. Yeah. Until baseball is nothing like you recognize it, and they'll just tell you it's baseball, and you'll still be like, oh, it's baseball. But we've talked about this before, like, I try to be a traditional fan when it comes to baseball, but then like I deal with these same people when it comes to golf, like golf fans who are like, "Oh, they gotta they gotta make the equipment, uh, roll the balls back, change the equipment, change the courses," and I'm like, "Grow up! Like the game's changing. It's time to to change with it." But they're not talking about like adding two holes, no, or like every hole. But like, all right, so like the U.S. After- Open. Every hole after the ninth hole, you play half length because we got to speed it up a little bit. Like the U.S. Open is was always traditionally like if there's a tie, the next day you play a whole round of golf to determine the winner. And then they were like, that takes too long. We're just gonna do normal sudden death. You play the 18th hole again and see who wins. It's like that's a that's a pretty huge change. No one cares. They care in the moment, and then you get over it. And I think that's the same thing with baseball. And, like, I – last year I felt like we got deprived of baseball while every other sport got to play pretty much normal seasons. Even the NBA, for the most part, got to play normal season last year. They came back, did the bubble thing. They were fine. So I want a normal baseball season. I want 162 games. I would love it if there wasn't a stupid runner on second in the extra innings. But you know what? The 13 games that go into extra innings this year – I'll get over it. I'll find a way to cope. And if they happen to be playing a West Coast game that goes to extra innings, I'll probably be grateful that it didn't go until 4 in the morning. Yeah, I just disagree with a lot of that. I don't think that there's much... The only reason why you change those rules is 
because you just don't like the game. And I don't like that this sport is run by people who just don't like the game. So, like, I don't, I just disagree I, with them. I, and, and I, I agree. That, and I think that they're really doing themselves and the sport a disservice by watering down the product. And I'm just tired of I agree, having everything but watered I, down. I do have a lot of faith in the next CBA. I have so much, I think the Players Union is the strongest it's ever been. And I, I really think come this next CBA, I think the players are going to. I hope to God, I think the players are going to take the game where it needs to go, get things back on track. And I'm hoping Manfred's out and we get a new commissioner who actually likes the game of baseball. And then we start filling the the networks with broadcasters who love the game of baseball, with these young talents. Because as, as bad as baseball is today, and the way you see it, it's also the best it's ever been with the talent that's on the field and the people who cover it, like John Boy and Fuzzy. Oh my God, dude! Absolutely, the sport is the best it's ever. The been. sport is the best it's ever been. No, the, the talent on the field and the way it is covered online is the best it has ever been. It's not even the best in my lifetime. The game was so much better. All right, in you're talking about the steroid era. Yeah, it was awesome. Okay, steroid era excluded, but it's still in today's. I wasn't around for the I mean, I was around, but I didn't know what was going on. That's, so far in my lifetime, every team has an exciting young player on it that is incredible talent on the field. And the people who cover the sport now are, they make fun content. Players are open. They're, they're becoming lively. I don't know. I actually think baseball's in a great spot. I just think the Except people in charge. And no financial rating. No or... financially, it's in a great spot too. But the owners are playing this game where they don't want to pay players, which is why I think this CBA coming up is going to be so important. I think it's going to shift the power dynamics back to the players, and we're going to be on a good track. I'm very positive. I'm very positive. All I know is don't be so pessimistic about no, baseball. There's no justification for not having an intentional walk. There's no justification for starting an extra innings with a runner on second. There's no justification for seven inning double headers. You can make all the excuses. It's COVID. It's shorter games. It's this. It's that. It's backyard baseball. If we want to play backyard baseball, if we want to play your pickup sport, I think you're that's fine. I think you're very wrong in this situation. Okay. Because we agree. I I hate these rules, but to let it get in the way of enjoying this season before a CBA that we don't know. We don't know if any of these rules are going to be here to stay. Will they? Probably, but we don't know that for sure. And I do think the players are in a position to get all the power back. I think we're going to start really seeing the way all athletes the power get. Back. There hasn't been a player, there hasn't been a CBA in the history of American sports that have given that has given power to the players in any significant way since that is free correct. agency was brought into baseball in like 1960 whatever year that was. I since think, then it's only gone in one direction. I think it's going to change. All right, I do. Social media helps. People understand. People always used to be against the player. Oh, these rich athletes crying. Blah blah blah. That's changed. People don't. Re- people are now more willing to blame the owners, blame the commissioner, and I think. That's going to help the players come this CBA. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in two years we're watching an even shittier version of baseball, and I'll be very upset about that. But I'm going to choose to be optimistic. I'm going to go into the season excited. I'm going to watch the Yankees this year. I think it's our year. We're going to win the World Series. I'm going to enjoy every damn second. I'm going to go to a 
crap ton of games this year. I'm pumped. And if you don't want to be pumped, that's fine. But don't bring your negativity around baseball to me. No, I mean, I'm very, like I said, I'm planning on watching. I'm you very sound excited. not excited. I'm very excited to get to watch the Yankees. I just am not excited for the product of baseball because I don't think they are in a good place. I think they're in a bad place. And not only do I think they're in a bad place, I think they're run by people who are desiring to put it in a worse place. So, I mean, you sound, to me, in this instance, you sound like I what think I sounded like justifying my optimism in politics. You're just doing it in baseball. Correct. But I think you're delusional to say that the sport itself is in a bad spot. The sport the itself is not in a bad spot. It's a 60-game shortened season. I don't care about the ratings. That matters. The product on the field, the players playing the game in today's game, it is so fun to watch. It is exciting. You have young players. All... We have 19, Just 20, 21-year-old kids who that are doing that amazing things the, on the that field. That doesn't make the sport in a good place, though. You're always going to have kids playing the game. You're always going to have talent. The, it's different. The sport itself isn't going to be financially solvent if it's losing fans. Correct. So like That's okay. true. It's pretty much behind basketball but I don't, at this point. But I think... You're you're voicing a lot of the same things that like people in the golf community talk about, like oh golf's a dying sport. It's like I don't think it's it dying is a perception necessarily. Baseball's not losing fans. Baseball's gaining fans. Like baseball in the past three years, every year franchises gain value. Every year the MLB as a whole gains value. That's not a lot of that is TV deals. But, like why are why are TV networks uh, or TV providers, why are they paying these deals? Because live content is valuable. But we'll have to see what, what the ratings continue to do because they won't be getting those types of deals in the new CBA if the ratings continue to decline. And they we'll fall see. behind sports like basketball. But ultimately, my only negativity stems from just the product they are putting on the field. Like, I enjoy watching extra inning games. I enjoy watching four-pitch walks. I enjoy the traditional rules of baseball. And when you start to change the traditional rules of baseball to make something new and different to appeal to you other want, people, you might turn other people off, and that's what's happening to me. You want a DH in the NL, right? I don't care either way about the DH That's in the a NL. traditional rule. Sure. But that one's okay? I think some rule changes are necessary. But I think that you can make a, you can make a determination of what's a good rule change and what isn't. And I think it's obvious when you look at what the... Like the pitch clock. We all agree that less time between pitches is good. would help. Yes. They still haven't implemented that rule. And all they would have to do... They don't even need to put the clock. Just they just the have to let the run up time for 30 seconds. You accomplish everything you say you're trying to accomplish by putting a runner on second in extra innings and taking away the intentional walk and all these stupid things that they do. The, the three batter minimum for each pitcher... I do like the catcher going out. We talked about yeah. that. Like, okay, but, the catcher doesn't have to go out. A but dozen I do times. think I do think, like we've talked about this before too. Like analytics, analytics in baseball, it kind of takes the the human element out of baseball. It's like, oh, this guy only has to come in versus this right-handed hitter in this type of situation because he excels against this type of player. Well, the three batter minimum rule, which I don't like does kind of bring it back to old-school baseball. Old-school baseball is like, your starters went a long time. Your relievers came in, and they just got through batters. Yeah, but They're, it wasn't because the, the man was telling you it had to be that way. Yeah. 
You could you could you don't have to make a rule change to enforce, not even enforce, but to get managers. It's just a it's just hiring people with different polit- different philosophies. What do you want to ban the shift? No. No. Not at all. I think you're wrong. I thought we've, we've had conversations about banning the shift. I would never ban the shift. I'm in favor of banning the shift. In my I think opinion, it ruins the game. You could put all nine players in right field if you want. I don't give a shit. I think, but, I don't know. I think, I think the shift ruins the game more than any rule that they try to implement. The shift sucks. Why? Because batting averages across the league have gone down because of the shift. I, you've, I've told you my way you could fix that without necessarily banning the shift and also kind of a rule change that would be positive that could solve this problem. We've talked about it, haven't we? I think so. Like, zones? You just number... Like, everyone in... Ba- if you're not a baseball fan, every position in baseball is a number. So, like, the player who plays short is number six. The player who plays three is the... Third base is number five. So, like, it goes like that. Um, but you just number the area in which the position player is supposed to stand rather than the player themselves. So, like, you have to have a fielder in, in each the first base zone. area, in the second base area. And the second base area would be from the second base side of second. And they're big zones, so you can manipulate first. it however yeah. you want, but and you have to but keep it. you just it. have to be in that area. So you could have two guys standing really close together near second base right up the middle, but they just have to be on their side of second base. Yeah. Same thing in the outfield where you could have them standing wherever they want, but you can only have three guys out there. I will say our... Retention for this episode is probably going to go down at the end when we get into deep baseball talk. I know. But that's all right. But it was fun. So that's another episode of the Brothers Podcast. We're at, what is it, 16? Can I say something that was fun to look at the entire time we did this podcast? Sure. We just so happened to start this podcast at the exact time that the clock hit like a new hour. So like we're an hour and nine minutes and 34 seconds into this podcast. We started this podcast at exactly 11 o'clock, so on the clock, it's 12.09 and, like, 42 seconds. Wow. So, like, they're ch- the clock and our podcast timer is changing at the same time, and it's been very fun to look at for me. No wonder why you've been so distracted. Yeah. Everyone's going to be able to tell that you've been watching the clock. Also, I, didn't re- I think I did well. I think I only cursed maybe four or five times. We take your feedback seriously on the Brothers Catch-Up. If you think you curse too much, let us know. Other than that, I guess we're going to play the catch-up. We'll see you next week. Hopefully I've had a baby by then. There's going to be a baby on the way. Oh, wait. Yeah. I'm going to be in Florida for the next time we record this podcast. Yeah, so we'll figure out. We have to figure out how we're doing How that'll happen. But we all have all week to get that sorted. All right. Um, You'll hear something on Sunday. But thank you for tuning in this week. And we appreciate each and every one of you. So we can just uh, play the catch-up. All right. Bye.
feels a little unnatural recording this after the podcast. You know? Yeah, no, it is weird because now it's just like, well, we already talked about everything. Yeah, usually this is just the test audio, but now we feel obligated to record something to put at the end. I went bowling last night. How'd you do? 141. Holy shit. I've never is that bro- good? I've never broken 100. Then you're... you're I'm the worst bowler. I was going to say remember a bad we word. With, remember we went with our dad and Mr. Polk was there? Yeah. And I almost hit his baby with the bowling right, ball. Yeah, and the baby was that. behind us. Yeah. So that's just how bad. Yeah, no, it's... I'm at bowling. I kind of want to join a bowling league. Because <laughs> I think I could get, like, good. Do you know what dad said? You know who high? bowls? Who? Michael? Yeah. Of course he does. He's really good. This is why, <laughs> by the way, because I went to uncle's last night. And we were talking about... um, Because I knew he was in a bowling league. Cause oh, he's, was he? He was in a bowling league, a dart league. So I want to do a decathlon. Because there's a rivalry brewing between... Michael and Uncle Frank, and I think it's hilarious. Not real, a real rivalry, but just like they both do like the weird sports. Yeah, and it's like I think we should have a day where we kind of like put events together of like bocce, billiards, bocce, bowling, darts, darts. He came in tennis. Rachel and I were over the house, and he I don't know if you you might have been there. He said, uh, "I just hit back to back bullseyes for the first time." I was like, oh. Oh, no, maybe it's three bullseyes for the first time. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, I'm nowhere near that. This is a good uh, – this is, like, so not even for the podcast. This is just a question. Do we think – all right. You know how, like, every sport has their uh, their thing? Like, baseball, the perfect game, a no-hitter. Yeah. Uh, golf, the hole-in-one. In bowling, you have the perfect game, bowling a 300. Is that the easiest of all, like, the – Bowling a three hundred. Yeah. Well, I would it's say it's got to be these. I would say no because I could never do it, but maybe. Yeah, but you could also never get a hole in one or throw like a perfect game. Well, no, definitely not. Like everyone, like I actually think you can bowl a three hundred. Like I think if you practiced, it's the only one where if like any person practiced, you could do it. I definitely couldn't. I think you could. If you're a bowler. I mean, let's be honest. The easiest of all the sports? No, it's not. It can't be. I think it is, 100%. I can't keep my ball out of the gutter. That might be because you're... That's just a hard sport. You're on the spectrum or something. (laughs) It's a hard sport. That's enough of this. (laughs) How long was that?